Welcome to the Perfectly Integrated Podcast, hosted by Matt Ackerman, where we show the power of teamwork in wealth management. Now, on to the show. My son CJ has been working the last couple of weeks on an anatomy in science class. We had to trace his body and draw his skeleton and his organs, and then he asked, so how do I draw in the central nervous system? And so after just a few seconds of vacant stares, a few moments of cursing myself for not paying more attention in science class, and some quick Googling and then drawing a bunch of wavy lines, it got me thinking, what is the central nervous system of a great advisory practice? What's that connective tissue that holds everything together? Well, the answer is your CRM. And the answer is my next guest. Welcome back to Perfectly Integrated. And I'm so excited today to be joined by Red Tails, Brian McLaughlin. I love Brian as both an innovator in this industry and really as a friend. Brian's a coder at heart who became an entrepreneur and is now an industry giant running the industry's most impactful CRM platform. And the two of us could probably fill a podcast with just crazy stories from the road. And like that time, someone at a bar in Anaheim came up to Brian and I, and we were with a large group after midnight, and they asked what we all did. And I said, Brian and I ran a latex company. And there was another time Brian and I got stuck in an elevator in Chicago and tons of other stories. Anyway, let's talk CRM. Brian, welcome to the show. <laughs> it's awesome introduction, Matt. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> no problem, my friend. <laughs> I do remember Anaheim. <laughs> <laughs> that, and I'll pivot for one second because that story is one of my favorites ever. It's just um, very typical where we will somehow end up with a large group of people, but somehow people always from the outside figure, oh, those two guys are unassuming. Let's ask them the strange question. What are all these people doing together? <laughs> exactly. Uh, somehow we always get ourselves in those situations. And luckily, we always have a great time and come out of them unscathed or mostly unscathed. I mean, there's mm-hmm. probably been a few stories in Miami or something, I'm sure, as well. And maybe we'll get into some of that. The elevator story is a great story. That one blew up on Twitter again recently. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm still a little scared every time I get in an elevator from that after that. Yeah. Event. Just a pro tip to everyone listening. If you ever get on an elevator and it says maximum occupancy X, pay attention to that. It is real. It is true. And elevators that have too many people that get stuck also get very warm very quickly. So Very quickly. Yes. <laughs> that was definitely an exciting evening. That's for sure. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, it's great to have me on here. And I miss you guys from the, the pandemic. Uh, miss seeing everybody, miss being able to have these stories <laughs> and make more stories and make more memories over time. Absolutely, my friend. So, you know, what the reason one of you're one of my favorite people in this industry is because you just bring joy to everything that we do, whether it be stuck in an elevator or any conference setting or even just seeing you code. So, what inspires you to continue to innovate every day? Uh, it's a great question. I mean, there's so many answers to that question because I think I just started doing this a long time. So there's a lot of things that have changed and evolved with me since I first started Redtail. For one, I mean, the creativity. That's why I still code. A lot of people are always kind of surprised that I still do some coding. I wouldn't say I do any like mainline product coding, but a lot more R&D and development coding for maybe future projects and so forth. And I absolutely love that part of it. I mean, the people know me, they know me as a CEO, but also a very nerdy, geeky CEO. The other thing I just really I love is when the company was being built and we still have our first employee, as these employees joined us, 
just the joy of seeing them succeed in life, right? To succeed at Redtail and then have that success transfer and translate back into their everyday life. I still remember the first time I had an employee buy a home, their first home, and how just warm and amazing and immense happiness it brought that we were a part of that journey for them, right? And so a lot of joy for every day for me is just taking care of my people and taking care of my clients, just doing the best by them I can uh, every single day. So let's go back to those early days, that beginning at Redtail. What inspired you to get started in building a CRM platform? What was kind of, what was your thinking way back when? Yeah, I always laugh at that question because it's from the story of the of behind that question is that we didn't set out to build a CRM called Redtail and sell it to advisors across the country and the world. Uh, that was never the plan. The plan was purely to solve a problem within the organization I worked at, which was OSJ for a broker dealer at the time. And they were a large organization. We were just trying to solve their issues. And so started building a solution to, in that case, it was tracking referrals and bring prospect data into one centralized location so that we can report on it and so forth. And it kind of naturally just evolved into like, well, maybe other people could use this solution too. And so we started expanding it, called it Redtail and brought it out. And it's just, I mean, I just like to describe it as almost a happy accident. I didn't go to like school and have some master business plan for what I was going to do as far as this CRM. I'm going to build this technology and make a software company out of it. None of that was ever thought out. It was purely, get, let's get to work. We have a problem to solve. Let's solve the problem the best we can. And then let's just keep iterating on that. And let's just see where this takes us. Yeah, we're... Redtail is well known for being a bootstrap company. We didn't take any money from anybody. Completely organic growth, grassroots development. We started out, jumped into the marketplace with a lot of competitors. Because we were, it wasn't some master plan of a business, we just kind of went out there and did our thing. And fortunately, it worked out really well for us. Yeah, you said it before. You're, at your heart, you're a coder. I watched you at a hackathon a couple of years ago, just mop the floor with these other folks there, just to kind of show them you still had it. And did you ever, in those early days or at any point, see yourself as a CEO, not just coding and hacking? Uh, yeah, well, first of all, yeah, I love doing the hackathons and showing the chops because a lot of people are always surprised that I'm actually pretty deep into coding and architecting of applications. So that's always fun. No, the CEO kind of was, again, it was accidental, almost like Redtail. It was... I didn't have that background. I didn't know anything about running a business when we started Redtail. And I was fortunate to have a couple of mentors that helped me out and quickly learned that CEOs, they have a whole different set of skills required. I think I had a lot of the core basic skills for like empathy for other people and attention to detail and constantly striving to learn and so forth. So I had some, I think, basic skills that helped me, but I had to learn budgeting, forecasting, finance, all that type of stuff, because I had never done any of that before. And I think I was 23, 24 years old doing this. And I was just kind of flying by the seat of my pants. But one thing about me that people usually know or learn about me is I'm constantly learning, constantly reading. I'm constantly trying new things. So when a challenge is presented to me, I just dig my heels in and go right for it. Like, I'm going to figure this out and figure out the best possible solutions for what I need to solve for and execute and go. And that's it. And I think that's part of a job of a CEO. And 
we have a couple partners in Redtail. There's three partners in Redtail. One of them, Andy, who is my business partner working every day with me, him and I finally just agreed, hey, why don't you take over the CEO role and start building the culture and building out uh, what you want this organization to look like. So it was just kind of a natural progression as we grew that the company needed a CEO and I was the perfect spot to step in and, and do it because I had so much passion for what we're doing every day. But I think there's two things that you said there that are interesting. And I think it goes back to, again, knowing you a little bit, is a really you don't have this ego of the typical CEO, which I find so refreshing. But you've also built a really unique culture, like you talked about there. And it's something where it's unique at Redtail because everyone genuinely seems to like one another. I mean, I'm probably just putting too much of a blanket statement from my own experiences with you guys, but it's a culture where when I see any of them together in any sort of combination of your team, they genuinely seem to want better for the person next to them. And that's impressive. What kind of went into thinking about that culture? So the thinking of the culture is interesting because I think you see what you've built and how it's been developed in hindsight much more with much more clarity than you do as you're actually executing plan. And it's funny, as I say executing a plan, we didn't really execute a plan. Culture, I think, has to come naturally from the leaders. And we set out some basic ground rules, right? And they were pretty untraditional. They still are today, I think. For example, like our number one ethos is to say, we make raving fans. It seems like such a couple words, but it actually has a huge, massive meaning for people that are red tailors, or we call them tailors. It means a lot of different things. For one, it's make a raving fan out of your coworkers, out of your friends, people around you. Make a raving fan with our clients and prospects. Make a raving fan with everything in your experience, everything in your life, anything that touches you. Go ahead and make a raving fan experience out of that. And I think that's taken us a long way because that really provides a core value for us to follow whenever we have any decisions or ideas to go and execute on. And it gives employees something to kind of grasp onto and, and to make a value decision when necessary. Am I making a raving fan experience or am I not doing what I'm going to do? So that helps a lot for the culture because they all understand what the mission here is and what the value, the core value is. And the other part of really supporting this culture and really building it better is that the leadership team from myself down really believe in the people and really believe in what we're doing every day. And if they just love what they do, that just naturally exudes from them as like an aura, right, to everybody else and brings them all into the fold. So. I think maybe looking at backwards where the end is the beginning kind of thing, what we might see is that really from the top down, just us caring so much about everybody has put it down to all the other people within Redtail to really just make them successful at doing uh, their job, hopefully make them successful in life. And we do so many things trying to just kick back to them, right? Whether it's just trying to help them with mental health or just trying to help them with student loan debt or whatever it might be. That caring just keeps going on and on. And that's really our culture. Yeah, I, I became a, a raving fan first by getting to know you guys, but also by getting to know the product because it's also designed to really help the advisor. And that's really incredible. That, I mean, CRM is ultimately really the lifeblood for a great advisory practice, that central nervous system I was talking about before. But yeah, with that in mind, why don't more advisors use it correctly and to its full potential? Oh, I think they want to. Mm-hmm. I think they just, yeah, that's one of the things that we do, I think, really well at Redtail, right? Is train and educate people. 
we're not that traditional sales or organization within the company. Is not like we don't go out to conferences on the road with like sign up forms and let's get you going. Everything for us is all around education. So we really believe in the learning organizations out there. And what we really want to see is how to get these other companies, our clients, to be a learning organization with us and learn how CRM can be impactful to their business. And so we offer huge amounts of training that's one-on-one, group settings, all type of stuff. And it's constant and consistent. And constantly just showing them like the importance of the CRM. But they really understand. They want to do it, but it seems like a big mountain or a big hurdle to overcome. Hey, all I need to do is track contacts and their phone numbers and maybe some basic notes. There's a lot more to that through running a business with your clients and financial services than just a basic contact address book. We have to have record keeping, document management, email archiving, all this type of stuff. And I think that's something that Redtail does extremely well is bringing in a couple of these core competencies for a business into one solution, right? CRM is absolutely like the source of truth or the lifeblood of a business. It's this, we like to say it's a source of truth because it's all the real knowledge and the correct domain knowledge of a client or a prospect. It's knowing exactly who they are, who their family is, what their financial situation might be, all of that in one spot. And then because we can talk to everybody else, we can share that source of truth data to maybe over to Orion or over to Money Guy Pro or something like that and share that information to go execute a financial plan or to go do a rebalance or whatever it might be. So more advisors are using it. I mean, they're definitely still coming on board at a really quick pace. And I think also to add to this a little bit, things like the pandemic that we were going through and or back in 08 when we had the market crash and the bubble crash for the markets and all that, it's great times for businesses to really focus and pay attention to the client experience and what's going on with their clients and keeping in tune with that. And that's where CRM really shows its strength. So these are great moments in time where people can get a chance to get their business really organized and really prepped for the rest of the 2020s. Yeah, and the the Redtail universities are incredible. I've attended a couple myself. They're amazing because they continue that education process. Like you said, this is not a, a sale for you guys where you're kind of running away from folks, you're always looking to improve the product. And that's that hacker mentality that you have that always impresses me, which is anytime I've been around you with any advisor, you're always listening to how to make things better. Is there a hack for advisors so they can ultimately use their CRM better? They can use it more. Is there anything you recommend right off the bat? Yeah, there's a whole bunch of parts here on this one that we can break down for best hacks. I'm going to go with... Probably learning the workflow system. Hmm. I think I said that. I've, I know I've said that a lot over the years, but it's so critical to the success of a business is having a great, solid workflow and process. I mean, I even learned that in Redtail ourselves. That process is key to having a successful organization and being able to essentially just repeat common business processes over and over reliably and accurately every single time. So. Really digging into that, what that workflow means to a business, understand your business processes, and then we can take those and apply and put them into this, your CRM so that you can go ahead and actually automate with technology a lot of that process you have. And that consistency really makes it much easier to run a business, makes it a lot easier to deliver an amazing client experience because everybody knows what they're supposed to do. Everybody's on board with the 
with all the steps involved for all clients. So everybody has that consistent experience and that's huge. But as far as the general hack, it's going to bug me if I don't <laughs> say just like a small little thing because a hack is generally a small little thing. Mm-hmm. I would say I like a lot of the stuff like Zapier and those type of things where we start automating the CRM with a whole bunch of other tools, not just financial service only tools, but also just consumer tools out there. Maybe I want to, with traveling, starting to pick up again. Maybe I want to take my trip at data and have it automatically added to my calendar with travel times. That's something like a Zapier could do. And it's pretty cool when you add some of these third parties. Like That's that. incredible. That's something that I, I would love to integrate better and also integrate some of my other personal stuff into these business calendars because I think that's where <laughs> I get in trouble as a person. And I know advisors get in trouble is when they're not got everything in one place to look at it. And they have a little bit yes. over here and a little bit over there. That's ultimately where people fail. That's ultimately where I fail. You know that. You can ask Marissa that. She I think we all do. Right? We all have a challenge on that front. So yeah, trying to get your whole... Everything. I try to get my family calendar into the CRM. I get everything into the CRM so I can see exactly what has to happen in my world every day or this month or this week or whatever. Yeah, so you don't miss anything. I think that's what we wake up every day worried about, all of us. Am I missing anything today? Did I forget anything important? I think it's tougher once you have clients involved too. So that's why... Well, there's just so many moving parts, right? And then you you sort of think something like a pandemic out of nowhere where one Friday all of a sudden we're all staying home for a year. There's just so many things coming at you at different angles and organizing your data. And that's what the CRM, that's why it's a lifeblood, right? Is that it knows what's in your life, what's going on, what's going on in your company life, what's going on in your client's life, your family life. It can know all of that and help you organize it. Now you're so tech savvy. What was it like sitting home for a year with the girls? Like, um, was it hard to kind of continue business as usual <laughs> at Redtail or did, you know, there must be a great lesson learned for me from all this? Gosh, it was just crazy. We went from, let's try out remote work because we saw what was coming. Let's just go mm-hmm. try and do a test run to we never came back. So we literally did a test run like on a Friday and sent out an email that evening saying, we're just going to continue. And this is great. Thank you for it's working. Just stay home. I am just now starting to see people I haven't seen over a year in the office as people slowly start picking up and coming back in. It was a heck of a challenge at first. Well, for one, being kind of nerdy and stuff, I was just kind of like watching the news like everybody else, whatever your favorite news channel was, and watching this, and you're not even working. You're just kind of like living and Mm -hmm. trying to figure out what's going on. Real quickly, we realized that communication was going to be key to keep this going because all of a sudden, everybody's at home. Everybody's now just talking on Slack, which we did, but you had no face-to-face communication. The offices were closed, stuff like that, and everybody's scared. And so I started doing weekly updates. So what I did was a very clear communication to the whole company saying, we have your back. Here's a couple of policies I'm going to put in place immediately. So I put in day one, that Monday morning, policies for if you're impacted by COVID, just take care of it. There's no time off requirement anymore. That's gone. Like We don't track time off. Just go take care of your family, take care of your friends, whatever has to be done. Hey, you're all at home. We're going to start covering your internet bills because you're going to run the business from your homes. Hey, you're at home. We're going to start providing meals once a week to help you out. So you have one less thing to worry about. And so we just started executing all these little things. And none of this was from a master plan. A lot of us from just, again, our mantra of we're building raving fans. What does that mean? Well, that means we take care of ourselves and take care of our people. And so really just focusing on that was key. And so for a year, I did Wednesday updates. So 
So every Wednesday, I do a hump day update and say, hey, Taylors, here's what's going on. And be extremely transparent with everybody about what was happening in the business. Are we doing financially okay? How is something changing that we're now, we all need to be aware of? What's up? And that went a long way with everybody's comfort and knowing that, hey, we have your back. We're going to get through this. And hey, the CEO is communicating regularly and openly about what he thinks is happening and what he thinks we're going to do next. That helped a lot. That's really the learning lesson. Really amp up that communication to your staff when something like this happens. Amazing. I think the key to all this is you're always listening and you're always innovating. You're always kind of got your ear to the ground. Okay, what do people need? And whether it be customers, whether it be all those raving fans you're talking about. So with that mindset of innovating, and you've had so many great innovations over the years, what's the latest? What's ahead? What are you guys thinking about from here? Yeah, we never stop thinking about ideas of what we're going to do. Right now, we have spent most of the year through COVID really kind of re-engineering a lot of our systems behind the scenes to make them more resilient to whether it's outages or other issues and to make it prepared to expand as everybody kind of gets back to the normal world again. And so that's what we spent our time on. Some of the cool R&D projects, though, that we've been working on, we have a brand new Redtail Speak coming out uh, later this year. And that's a whole rebuild from the ground up that adds a huge amount of features and different action abilities for clients or for advisors talking to their clients and vice versa. So got to look forward to that. And that's really huge for us, I think. The other one that we're spending a lot of energy on is the machine learning aspect of understanding our data. So what we've been doing is taking a look in aggregate, kind of like take a look at all the data and how it's being used within the system and what type of observations can we make. So we get very sciencey here and we start looking and saying, let's come up with a hypothesis on can we detect when a client is going to need retirement in advance? Like what's that trigger for switching over from they're maybe in just active work career to we're switching to retirement. Can we notify the advisor early? To other things like finding gaps in client information. For example, maybe you have an aging client, but they don't have any life insurance plans in the system. Because they have no life insurance or any insurance plans in our system, maybe we can make some recommendations and say, hey, you have some gaps here with this client. What do you want to do? And what's cool then is that we're going to tie that to third parties. So we're starting to do some work with well, we always don't work with other companies where we can send some of that data out and say, maybe give me a proposal option, like automatically. So we're working on some interesting real-time one-click kind of solutions for advisors where they can see an opportunity based on data they've been providing to us for years or from their import of years of data and saying, here are your potential sale opportunities or potential client experience opportunities. So that's what I'm focusing on the most right now. That's awesome. That's awesome. You're someone who's always kind of seeing the evolution of this industry, always a step ahead. And you see the data of what the advisors are doing, what, where they're spending their time, et cetera, and where advisors are going. So what's ahead for this industry? When you look at the industry as a whole, what are some things that stand out for you? Well, I mean, one of the big ones that's staying out is this M&A activity is really hot right now. Risk companies seem to be the current target, but before that was the financial planning companies. So kind of where is M&A going to go next? It's kind of interesting to me. I don't think I have an answer. I mean, some people are saying, hey, 
maybe it'll be client portals or something like that. And people just trying to pick up maybe AI chatbots, trying to pick up those companies. So I think just watching the M&A activity, because there's a lot of consolidation happening and people are trying to build platforms, which, I mean, it's been a great time to do that. And so we're going to see more and more of that consolidation. The other thing is too, I think it's going to be really exciting to see how this pandemic has really changed the shift in how advisors work with clients. I've talked on other webcasts and podcasts before about this kind of the, the great client migration happening, right? And your clients and your prospects are moving around in unlikely areas where they weren't before. For example, like I know somebody who came out of San Francisco and they went to Idaho and went to a really small town. Well, they're the biggest income generator in that town, probably, uh, just from their personal salary. And financial advisor in the area is probably looking at going, I've not set up to service this. Like we're used to dealing with ranch hands, maybe, or something like that, and our uh, farmers or whatever. And here we have like a tech CEO show up into nowhere, Idaho. So having them figure out how they're going to adapt and change to service clients being work from anywhere is going to be really interesting to watch. And I think that's what we're going to see the financial advisors kind of adapting to. It's not just the clients or prospects within like a niche market like in my area, but it's worldwide. My clients could technically be anywhere. And well, I should be able to be technically anywhere as well. And so we're seeing that shift. It, it kind of goes along with the, the idea of like, are employees coming back to work or is there going to be a hybrid or fully remote uh, model going forward for the workforces and not just one advisor's workforce, but every workforce in the country, what's going to happen there? And I think we're seeing a trend that's going to be higher. How is that going to impact the financial advisor practice going forward? It's going to be really interesting. It's so amazing to see the evolution of this industry, the evolution of Redtail, your evolution. You look back on all this, all that you've accomplished, all that you've done. If you could, if there's one thing you could go back, knowing everything in hindsight, is there something you'd go back and change if you could do it all over again? Is there anything you would alter in your journey? I think I had a great journey. I've been having a great journey. My journey is nowhere near done. I, there's a, there's a lot. I wish, I mean, so much things, right? You always say like, I wish I knew what I knew now back then. Mm -hmm. And I'd probably honestly try and work harder. I don't know how I could do that, but I probably would try to work harder to learn really deeply what the financial advisor practice actually is and how it works. Because in the beginning, we're building technology and we were probably talking about me being a nerd and a geek about programming and stuff. And so I'm passionate about. So I'm so head deep into programming that I don't think I sat back and said, hey, let's really go look at other financial advisory practices and how they actually work on a day to day. And we have that later on. But in the beginning, even though I came out of a financial practice, I was only seeing the one practice. I wasn't mm -hmm. seeing a hundred or a thousand practices. So I wish I could have changed that. If I had to make a little switch, I would have learned more there. I always joke I probably could have taken the Series 6 and 7 and stuff like that. I never did. Maybe I would do that too in hindsight. Yeah, I look back even on my own journey and I think the same thing. I think maybe I enjoyed kind of learning on the fly a little bit because I got to learn with the audience as we went. But there's definitely things that I always wish I had gone to school maybe and learned, learned from the books too a little bit more. Well, I thought it was 
education is wasted on the youth and that makes sense when you get older <laughs> it is <laughs> because i would love to go back to high school now and go learn all these things and be engaged and actually interested now you know back into college let's go back into economics 201 and start this over again because now i'm actually interested oh yeah but you know life you learn throughout your whole life that's you're supposed to right we constantly reading constantly learning and constantly getting new experiences coming at us that we learned from so just don't stop learning keep trying yeah keep trying and with education being wasted on the youth we pivot this to my favorite part of the podcast where I get to ask you questions coming from my nine-year-old son. My, now, the, the best part about this for the, <laughs> yes, the uninformed, CJ, yes. <laughs> <laughs> the best part of this question from CJ is you have twin girls that are about CJ's age, so you know how kids like this think. So this is going to be fun. And the problem here's the problem that folks might not know is Brian's kind of a mythical figure in this house. He's met my wife. We've gone out to dinner, but my son just hears these stories and. He does not know how many are true or how many are just are just. <laughs> okay, so let's set some of that straight then for him. <laughs> we did get stuck in an elevator. We had, okay. We, yes, that's true. Yes, that's yeah. true. So the here's the fun part. CJ didn't have one question for you. CJ, I picked the best of seven not. of his questions for just a quick how many speed round. Did, yeah. Nice. He, oh, he had tons. How many questions did How many questions did he have? He legit he's such has. an amazing kid. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. He's funny because he's going to be somebody's really good employee in this Sunday. I just hope college doesn't cost me a million dollars. That's really my fear. It's going to cost you we'll $2 million, So, Oh, gosh. <laughs> <Nice. yeah. laughs> <laughs> All right, let's do so these anyway, questions. What do we got, CJ? Here we go. Here's the CJ speed round for you, Brian. First and foremost, what's the best part about Hawaii? I'm from there. A lot of people don't realize that. I mm-hmm. believe that a lot of times because of my last name, but I am half Portuguese. Best part about Hawaii, family and food. Nice. For me. Yeah. What is the best Lego set you ever bought? Oh, wow. That's a good one. Best one I ever bought or built? Which would he like to know? Let's go built. Okay. Best one I ever built was probably actually the roller coaster. It's a strange option here. There's a Lego creator roller set roller coaster. It's huge. But because it had motion and it's just a cool set to build. But I have, you can let him know, I have built all the large sets that they've come out with, the Millennium Falcon, Star Destroyers, all those type of things. But at the end of the day, the roller coaster is my favorite. So whose idea was the slide in the Red Tail headquarters? Absolutely mine, CJ. <laughs> I always thought it'd just be when we bought the building in Sacramento, our headquarters, we decided to add what we call now the treehouse, which is kind of like a mezzanine inside the building. That's not a true story, but just like a loft area. And we put in swinging chairs as if you're like a tree swing. And we just thought, I was just like, man, it'd be cool to have a slide in here just to get down fast. And that evolved into, well, let's put a racing slide and like a double slide in so people can race each other because that would be better. <laughs> Something CJ doesn't know, and a lot of people don't know. Somewhere online, I've seen it a couple times now, there is a video on America's Funniest Home Video of people riding that slide and falling at the end. Nice. I heard. No one nice. heard. But I saw this pop up, and it'd be good trivia to go find it. Nice. And I'm most excited coming to visit the office at some point to come. I understand there's a soda machine there as well where you can have soda at any time. Oh, yeah, we, we have, have a freestyle machine. Yeah, uh, well, we have Pepsi's for those people. But yes, we have a Coke freestyle machine that picks out like everything you see from a restaurant. Uh, 
and stuff like that. And a whole bunch of other fun, cool things. So we have a whole dog park in the back and a beautiful backyard with some stuff. So people can be indoors and outdoors working wherever they want. CJ asks, what's the best meal you've ever had on an airplane? No such thing. It doesn't exist. There's no best meal on an airplane. Sorry, <laughs> CJ, you're about to be disappointed, man. That, that <laughs> left a long time ago. I remember my dad used to travel a lot internationally. He would always talk about how he would sit on a 747 flying to Asia and they would come and serve prime rib. But they didn't just serve prime rib. They came and sliced it in front of you, the cut you wanted, and all this kind of fancy stuff. You pretty much get a tray tossed at you nowadays. <laughs> pretty much on any <laughs> flight, uh, international or otherwise. Here's your food. Enjoy. So the, sorry, CJ. There is no such thing as good food on an airplane. And see, and he and I told him Brian's sitting first class. It's a whole different experience yeah. up there. And while the rest of us peasants are sitting in the back battling over some peanuts, Brian's having a whole <laughs> different experience up there. <laughs> and see, it's actually not a great, the greatest of food meal experiences up there. If we had to choose, though, the answer to that, I'd probably say either the cheeseburger, because they actually can sometimes do a nice cheeseburger on the plane. Mm -hmm. And there's some beef short rib thing that they used to do that was amazing. Yes, I've done that one. That's but not none bad. of that, yeah, none of that compared to any real restaurant, though. But now, speaking of real restaurants, if you couldn't eat tacos on the road, what would you eat? What would your go-to meal Italian. be? Okay. Italian food. You know what? One of my favorites, we have a whole, you obviously know David Melhorn, my head of sales. Mm -hmm. He's like a walking Yelp guide when it comes to food. And so we leverage him a lot. We have a whole list of places across the country that we eat because at Red Tail, when we go out, I tell my team all knows we don't go to chains. We will go and find local food. Mm. And I mean, that's kind of one of the advantages of traveling is that we get to do that. Like, why would I go to a Chili's when I can go to a local barbecue place? Mm -hmm. So one of my favorites all time though is Panzas or Panzas, Panzas, P-A-N-G-A in Boston's Little Italy. Their garlic bread and big ziti are the best of half the country. What's the best nickname you've ever given to someone who worked for you? Ha! So this goes because we have a whole cultural element in Red Tail where employees get nicknames that they earn themselves honestly through events. Best one. <laughs> the best one is probably Mario's, one of the sales guys, relationship managers. His is Porcelain Pony. <laughs> and <laughs> it all came from a complete accident. We just always called him the pony because he would lug around what we called the coffin, which the coffin is the booth. That's something we got from Laser App peeps. We always drag our booth and contents around. And so he was the pony doing that. We were sitting at a meal in Salt Lake City and going through and just looking at phones on pictures, talking stories, you know, just a, a meal with employees. And he's flipping through his phone and he goes through like three or four images of uh, bathrooms. <laughs> we didn't ask the context. We didn't ask why. We didn't care. All of a sudden, it became the porcelain pony so fast. So sorry, Mario, I'm probably embarrassing a little bit here, but it's a well-known name in the industry. <laughs> and uh, it's probably one of my favorites. Yeah, well, you also have what someone else whose nickname oh, Minivan. I oh, I didn't go. I didn't go to to Melanie. I was leaving hers alone. Oh, okay, you're leaving <laughs> hers alone. The Figler. The Figler is famous. I mean, it's internationally famous now. It is. The Figler is where you take two drinks and drink them at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> she did that somewhere, and it became the Figler, which is her last name, so it became a hashtag. The other one that we have is the hashtag the Melhorn. 
So we have all these mm-hmm. things around, like, because we travel so much. When you travel hundreds of days of year, you're going to have stories. And mm-hmm. one of the famous ones for David is always being late to the airport, showing up to the last possible <laughs> minute. And so we call it the Melhorn when you show, if I get this right, it was, you show, the Melhorn is showing up to the airport 30 minutes before your plane leaves, not boards, but leaves, and still making the flight. And if you want to get the advanced, like upper level, the next level above that is the Alley Melhorn, his wife, and that's showing up 30 minutes for your flight. You check the bag and it actually makes it to your destination. You're, you're right. Being on the road creates these stories. You become your own little family unit out there because otherwise you'd get crazy. You get crazy out there on the road. Totally. I mean, that's a, we build a lot of camaraderie. But what's interesting about on the road, I've talked about this on other panels before, is that, yeah, we have all these fun stories and silly stuff and all that. But it actually really makes for a better industry because a lot of us connect. And while we're having fun, a lot of times we're also just talking shop and like, how can we improve the industry? And mm-hmm. we're connecting dots and people. So it's huge when we're on the road and interacting with each other. And that's something sadly we lost during the pandemic. Yeah. Some of that momentum. My best ideas come when I'm sitting across the table from somebody who mentions something offhanded and you go, that could be funny. That could be good. Yeah. That exactly. would be weird. We did. It was from a dinner with you where you we were talking about tacos where I was like, huh. Steve, we could make explain data aggregation with tacos. And Steve's like, can I rent a taco truck? And I was like, yes, you can. Let's do this. So any of the Let's weirdest ideas we ever had when I was at Investment News was usually where Steve and I were just trying to top each other at a dinner and we were just throwing things at each other. That's where the weirdest ideas come from. The best ideas come from. Well, I remember one time we tried a whole, I mean, we tried a whole bunch of experiments, right? We tried things out, test mm-hmm. things out all around the road. Yeah, it's just the juices start flowing, right? And the conversations start flowing. It's awesome. Oh, yeah. And the last question CJ had for you, did you really have dinner with my mom and dad in New York City and then stalk the Tony Awards red carpet? CJ, yes, I did. I was there for a wedding anniversary, a trip for a weekend. My wife and I were celebrating our 15th anniversary. Had dinner with your parents who treated us to a... We went to a steakhouse there in Manhattan. Was it Del Frisco's? Yeah, yeah, the double eagle. It was awesome. Yes, it was amazing. And as we were walking back to our hotel that night, we stumbled upon the exit of the Tony Awards happening. Like we just happened to walk in front of Radio City Music Hall just as they were getting out. We had no idea what was going on. And we had no idea who was there because we don't follow any of that. And (laughs) we just sat there and just oohed and aahed. And we talked to people that I assume were celebrities, but we have no idea. So, but we hung out and we just thought like, we were just absorbing this whole like New York experience. It was really cool. And something we still talk about today. Man, well, this has been one of my favorite episodes. I say that without any sort of hyperbole, it's always fun to get to connect with you, man. And uh, the fact that my son had so many questions indicates how often your name comes up here at the Ackerman House. So thanks so much for uh, taking the time to join us on Perfectly Integrated today. I love it, Matt. Thank you for having me and can't wait till we can connect in person again soon. Amen. Amen. Thanks, buddy. And thanks to everybody for joining us. This has been another episode of Perfectly Integrated.
content in this material is for general information only and not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. Securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Investment advice offered through Integrated Partners, a registered investment advisor and separate entity from LPL Financial. Brian McLaughlin is CEO of Redtail and is a separate entity and not affiliated with Integrated Partners and LPL Financial.